Amen. Okay, well, good morning. My name is Billy. If <laughs> Clayton didn't make that clear enough. Um, and I just want to give a third welcome now, I think, to everyone in this room. I know <clears throat> starting off the fall, we ha- might have some first-time visitors just checking us out. And I just want to say it really is an honor, if that's you, to, just to have you here and just to join the family and just to see what we're about and to see what God is doing in our midst. And, and really, you are jumping into a, a moving vehicle where God is doing something. We're moving forward. Like Clayton mentioned, we're in the middle of a series uh, called Being Filled with the Spirit. And last week, we talked about what it is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We just, you know, we just went there. And we're going to continue going there this week, and next week, we'll wrap it up. Um, and it's going to be an incredible time. So it, it is an honor to be here with you guys uh, and just to share from the Word. And I wanted to start off today, for those who are here at like 10 a.m., which is maybe half the room, if we're being honest, <laughs> there's this video we play. It's like the sound makes you get you're like, okay, I got to go to my seat. We're about to get started. But at the very end of that video, there's a phrase, and that's our vision statement. And it says this, to present to Christ a radiant church, ready for his return. That is our vision statement. And you have to ask, well, why do we need a vision statement? And I, and I want to emphasize it really is not about just having some cool slogan. It's, it's not like we're just like pasting on the wall everywhere, although I think we might have plans for that, so maybe I spoke too soon. <laughs> but it is to simply help us to stay focused and aligned to what we believe is the most important thing as a local church we could focus on. There are many things, and, and, and we've even experienced that at times where we're going after good things, very good things, in fact, But over time, those good things replace that which is most important. And our vision statement hopefully encapsulates, this is the heartbeat of our church. This is the why to every what we do. We make disciples here. We we push life groups. We gather on a Sunday morning to lift up Jesus. Why? Because he's coming back one day, and we want to be ready for that. We want to present to him a beautiful and radiant bride who's ready. And I, we, you know, I think of the, the rebuke that Jesus gave the Ephesian church in, in Revelation. And it's, it, 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 it kind of is along that train of thought because he says, hey, I know all the good things you're doing and it's good and I applaud those good things. You're persevering. You don't tolerate evil or immorality. You, you challenge those who call themselves apostles and maybe they're not. You're doing a lot of good things. But then he says, but here's what I have against you. You've left your first love. So Repent. And so, you know, with the, for us, we're like, hey, how can we stay focused and not lose sight of our first love, our primary objective as a church? That's why we have this vision statement. And, and it's connected to what we're talking about today. Because today, the title of the message is A Spirit-Filled Life. It's A Spirit-Filled Life. Because last week, we touched on receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit and how it is an active thing we must ask for and hunger for and believe for. And today, the Spirit-Filled Life is what we would say, this is what what would be a radiant church. A radiant church looks just like Jesus. If you look at Hebrews chapter one, in verse three, it says that Jesus was the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature. So if we looked at Jesus, we can say that is what, exactly what the Father is like. And we saw, we we touched on this just a little bit last week, that Jesus was able to display and radiate the glory of God because he too was empowered by the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit upon him and with him. So a spirit-filled church church looks just like Jesus. Now as we dive in, I want to bring, uh, I wanna share about maybe a point of clarity about 
receiving the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because those terms are just thrown out there and if they're not explained, it could be confusing. And what I wanna say is that being baptized or receiving the Holy Spirit is a one-time event. It happens one time. But being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continuous thing that happens throughout the rest of your life. And we see this, even the wording, we see that in the New Testament. In Acts chapter two, we talked about this last week. They received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then in a few chapters later, Acts chapter four, it says they're praying and the whole place was shaken and it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. It's the same disciples who had already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were filled again. And then there's another instance in Acts chapter 13. The disciples says the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Spirit. They were continually filled with joy. And Paul writes to the Ephesian church, and he says, don't get drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to a Spirit-filled church, saying, go on being filled. Go on receiving the Holy Spirit and being filled with him. Remain filled. And I thought a simple way to maybe think about this is water baptism, since I think we understand that a little bit better. In water baptism, what is it? It happens one time. You get water baptized once, you're buried with Christ, and you're raised to newness of life, Romans 6. But that only enables us to go on every single day of our lives carrying around the death of Jesus, meaning we die to ourselves every single day. Yes, the baptism, that's one, one initiation. But from that day on, it's every day you pick up the cross and you die to yourself. In the same way, spirit baptism, we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A fire is lit, yet we go on being filled daily and being led by the Spirit. So what we read, I'm gonna read it again. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, this was kind of the, maybe one of the main verses from last week, and I'm gonna keep it one of the main verses. I'm gonna read it again. Acts chapter one, verse eight, you can follow along on the screen, or you can flip. I like the sound of the, the Bible's flipping. It says this, but you will receive power. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So we see here, Jesus lays out what the Holy Spirit's all about. Power to be a witness for Christ. You will receive power when he, the Spirit, comes upon you. Not, and to, to be a witness, not just to bear witness. To bear witness is one thing, that's when you just talk about it. But to be a witness, that's when it actually transforms your life. And you now, your entire being, displays and radiates the glory of God. This is how we shine forth the glory of God, where our entire being is transformed. And it's also specific power to fulfill your particular role in the body of Christ. Often what, what is portrayed when we think about receiving power is, okay, when I receive power, I'm gonna turn into this incredible preacher, this amazing evangelist or some prophet or something like that. Which if that's your calling and gifting, Yes, that will happen. But if a hand is paralyzed and all of a sudden it receives power, it doesn't become an ear or an eyeball. It becomes a hand with power. It becomes a functioning hand that can now contribute its purpose to the rest of the body. It doesn't turn into something else. It's, a, it's power to fulfill what God has called you to fulfill. And so if you're, just, if you're like a, a stay-at-home mother, 
When you receive the Holy Spirit and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be a first-class stay-at-home mother. And you'll be a witness for Christ in those spheres in which you get to reach because of that place. And that's a really good thing. <laughs> I don't want us to get into this uh, coveting thy neighbor's ministry. That's dangerous. That's how you can destroy yourself. Just ask God, hey, with this power you're giving me, what is my role in the body of Christ? You will receive power. And a good way to think about this, uh, an illustration that I have used uh, just to understand it myself, is, is receiving power uh, from the Holy Spirit is like electricity coming into a light bulb. A light bulb may have all the structure in place. It may have all the right parts. It may have all the physics lined up perfectly. But without power, it doesn't burn. It has no light. I shared this before one time, but I, I had a floodlight in my garage, outside of my garage that was out, and <clears throat> I thought it was the light bulb, so I switched the light bulb. Because I checked, the switch was on, I was like, okay, maybe the motion sensor's not working, so I had to replace the whole thing. And sure enough, it still wasn't working, so I was like, oh, great. I'm gonna have to call Chris Surface again to help me like, fix this. And I didn't realize it, but the breaker had tripped, and all I needed to do was flip it back on. <laughs> The problem wasn't I need to switch the light bulb, I need to switch the sensor. The problem was it didn't have power. And often Christians, we do this, right? It's like, well, I'm gonna switch churches. I'm gonna switch groups. I'm gonna switch this book. I'm gonna switch this, that, and the other, which there are times for that. If the light bulb's out, switch the light bulb. But first, check if there's power in your life. Are you connected to the power? If not, you're gonna switch. You'll go a couple years, you'll switch again until you realize maybe I should go to the breaker. Is there power run into this thing? We gotta check that. And this is why having correct doctrine is not enough. Just, it's not enough. Some people see correct doctrine as the finish line. It is the starting line. Because the entire purpose of having correct doctrine is what? To lead you to life. The question isn't, hey, do you, do you check on all the proper doctrine? The question is, having done that, has that transferred to your life? Do you have the life of God in your marriage? What good is proper theology if you're yelling at your spouse? It's not gonna help you. Do you have the life of God in your speech, in the way you parent, in your workplace? Is the life of Christ flowing from within you? It, it, it is very much like saying, hey, check out, I got a light bulb and all the parts are in the right place, but there's still no light. So we have to go beyond, and we, we obviously care about proper doctrine. We're, we're doing an entire series right after our discipleship in the fall, just the orthodox theology something. I don't know what it's called yet, but we're going there because we care about that. But I don't want us to think that, hey, once we get that, we got it. No, we need power for a transformed life, and the power to be a witness for God, to be a witness, comes from being filled constantly with the Holy Spirit. So what are the marks of a spirit-filled life? I'm gonna read from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, and use this kind of as a base going forward. It says this, haven't you yet learned that your body is the home of the Holy Spirit God gave you and that he lives within you? Your own body does not belong to you, for God has bought you with a great price. So use every part of your body to give glory back to God because he, because he owns it. Our bodies belong to him. It says we are his home. We are the temple, the home of the Holy Spirit. So we're just tenants 
We live in his house. We must abide by his rules. It's his house. It's the house of Jesus. And I wanna use this, this as a metaphor as we unpack the rest of this, this message of what it means to be a spirit-filled Christian and walk a spirit-filled life. Because what happens is, you know, if we picture our lives as the home of the Holy Spirit, not picture it, and that's literally what the Bible says, then what happens is we have this guilt room. And when we come to Jesus, light shines in that guilt room and the blood of Jesus cleanses us and, and the darkness is pushed away and there's light in that room and we have received the gift of salvation. And our house has light. But what it's like is, it's like if you see a house with 10 rooms and one room has light, and it, it, that room is full of light. But if I ask you, hey, is that, does that house have light? The answer is yes, it has light. I can, I'm looking right at it, it has light. And if I ask you, is that house full of light? Well, no, not, not quiet. There's like nine rooms that look dark, right? So it's not. And that is essentially the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit versus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled where our guilt is gone and removed and there's light in that room, but as we grow and mature, there's more rooms that we'll discover. And just to give a little more proof to this, in, in Acts chapter six, uh, we won't have time to throw up the scriptures, but uh, the apostles are looking for someone to oversee the distrib distribution of food to some widows in the, in, in the community. And they say something very interesting. They say, we must find somebody who's got faith, who's got wisdom, and the last thing they say is who's full of the Holy Spirit. Which if you think about that, which I, I was thinking about, I was like, wait, didn't they all just receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So why is that a requirement? Well, isn't that implied that everyone in that community would be full of the Holy Spirit? My point is this, because you have received, it doesn't mean you're full right now. You, you, there's light and then there's more light. There's more and more that God wants to reveal and fill us with. And I wanna unpack that. And so if you're eager to be filled with the Holy Spirit, this is how. In Revelation chapter three, verse 20, it says this. This is me using the, the house, home analogy. Jesus says this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. This is Jesus not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to the church. He's, he's knocking on doors of, of Christians in the church. And he says, let me in, let me in. And he's not saying again, and I'm not saying that he's saying you need to be perf instantly perfect the moment you receive the Holy Spirit. That's not, that's not what the Bible teaches. But what I am saying is that to be full of the Holy Spirit, it means you give him keys to every room and, and then give him free reign. It's, it's, it's yours. This is your house. This is your home. You have access to every room. And this is what begins the process of sanctification. The process of unlocking every single door and allowing the Holy Spirit to shine a light. Because when we're young in the Lord, we, we maybe only feel like our, room, our house has a few rooms. Just a couple, you know, a brand new believer can be instantly filled with the Holy Spirit because there's light shining in maybe what's called the guilt room and a light shining in the repentance room and a light shining in even the evangelism room because they're so fired up they wanna tell others. But it would be like, okay, you're starting off with a one-bedroom apartment and then you're graduating to like a starter home, a little three-two. And then eventually you get to a family home where it's like a five-bedroom or, I don't, know, I don't have one, I don't know how many bedrooms are. That, is that right? <laughs> Something like that. <clears throat> Because as you grow, you realize, you discover more rooms in your house. You realize, whoa, I didn't, have, I didn't know I had a selfish room, selfishness room, or a pride room, or a comfort room. 
And he starts knocking on those doors. And we have an opportunity to open it up and let him in and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the light of Christ. Because the more we mature, the more he reveals about ourselves. And so I wanna address today these five different rooms, rooms of our house that can show us what a spirit-filled life might look like. And so I'm using this picture of a house. I also have a little graphic to follow along. That's a floor plan. It's a five bedroom. That's all there is. There's no bathrooms. There's no kitchen. Just five bedrooms. <laughs> as I realized. But the first room would be the living room. How we live. It's just how we live. And, and in this room, he leads us to a life of holiness. He asks you, he'll knock and say, he'll ask and say, hey, have you cheated, not, have you cheated anyone the past couple years with some money? I want you to give that back. Or he'll say, have you hurt somebody with your words or your actions? I want you to go ask for forgiveness and then come worship me. Yeah, I know you're all here worshiping right now. He's, he's literally knocking on hearts right now saying, I want you to first go ask for forgiveness and then come back. That's what the book of Matthew teaches, right? It says, if, you have, if, if someone has something against you, go make it right. Put your offering at the altar, could then come back. And I hope, we're, I hope we're like that where we respond and we say, let's go make it right and, and, and we settle things instantly when we hear him knocking. We don't wanna delay because we want light in that room. He'll ask, hey, you know, I want you to return that money and are you happy that maybe someone forgot that you, they loaned you money? He says, I hope not. I hope, I hope you want the light of Christ in you so much that you're willing to say, I, I want everything out there for the Lord to have and to control. And then he knocks again. He says, hey, remember that person maybe 10 years ago that caused some havoc in your life? And, and now you have some bitterness built up just in your heart towards them? I want you to forgive them. You know, maybe it's just your spouse. <laughs> maybe you haven't forgiven your spouse for something. Or maybe it's just a little habit you don't like. Forgive. Because you want light, correct? We're talking about being spirit-filled. If we don't open that door, it's gonna be hard to be filled with light in that room. And he'll knock again. He'll say, hey, can I look at the books you read? Remember, Revelations, Jesus is knocking at the church. Can I look at the movies you watch and the shows you watch? Is that okay if I just come through and kind of maybe say, share some thoughts on that? And we might say, well, Lord, I, I kind of enjoy these books. And I, I know there's some shows I watch that are questionable, but, but Lord, hear me out. They don't hook me, you know, and I skip some parts and it doesn't, I, you know, it doesn't hook me. It does not tempting. So, and the Lord will say this. This is what he'll say. Okay. And he'll give you your freedom and you will not be filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll get, he, he, he doesn't force you. But knowing, but knowing if that's the attitude, know this, you can pray, you can cry, you can scream, you can go to a thousand conferences, but you'll never be filled with the Holy Spirit with that attitude. Because how, I mean, how can you? How can if you're going to resist the Holy Spirit, how can you also welcome him in? Can you bolt the door closed and ask somebody to come in? No, you can't do that. But we should be super thankful that he is so patient and he knocks. I mean, he knocks for decades. And what a blessing. We have such a patient and kind God. Anyone else would have been fed up and walked away, guaranteed. But he's been patient with us. And so we can go area by area in our lives and just say, Jesus, would you walk with me? And he'll say, okay, I wanna talk about this. I wanna talk about your use of social media. I wanna talk about the hours you stay up at night. I wanna talk about, I mean, anything. 
And a spirit-filled life looks like, absolutely, Lord, talk to me, and I'm, I'm willing to respond. Doesn't mean you're perfect, it just means you're willing to allow Jesus into every room and lead you. It doesn't force anybody. <clears throat> if you remember in the Bible, there's a couple instances when people come to him and they say, I'm willing to follow you. I'll give up everything and I will follow you. In one instant, Jesus says, okay, you're not gonna have a place to lay your head. And they had to rethink it. He didn't force them. If you think of the rich young ruler, he came and he says, I'm with you, Jesus. And he says, hey, Jesus says to him, hey, give up your money and come follow me. And the rich young ruler did not do that. He walked away. And Jesus didn't chase him. He essentially said, okay, bye. He's not forcing anyone. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But uh, someone who is going to bolt the door but then also invite someone in, it, it doesn't work that way. It's like going east and west at the same time. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit like that. So a mark of, being, of a spirit-filled life is that he leads us to a life of holiness. And we listen to his voice as we go about our life. And he speaks to every area. Another mark of the spirit-filled life is that it begins to show us how to love others. That's the next room, the loving others room. Can't think of it. I'm, I'm using all L's, by the way, just because it's more helpful for me than it is for you. But loving others where he shows us how to love others. And a lot of us might think this, loving others? <laughs> I got that one. I'm actually pretty good at loving others. I'm a really nice guy. Like, I'm, I'm fine with that. Let's do it, Lord. Doors wide open. And the Lord might say to you, yeah, yeah, you're right, actually. I'm actually not talking about that one. I'm talking about that there's a closet inside there and it's got this person's name on it. And he's like, I wanna get in that room. And that's when we say, like, oh, that, that guy, okay. I actually lost the keys, sorry. I would, I would, I really would, but I just, I don't even, I can't even get in there myself, so. <laughs> but he's, he's gonna ask you, is it okay if I come into that little closet and put a little tenderness in there? Maybe some compassion and gentleness, some patience, some long suffering, definitely. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's like the famous passage on love, it's very poetic, it's beautiful. And um, it used to be used in all the weddings back in the day. I haven't heard it in a while, maybe. Maybe the context was finally figured out, but that's actually what I wanted to mention. The passage is not about loving your spouse, though that obviously applies or something like that. You know, these, you remember when the Bible was written, there weren't chapters. It was just a letter that was read. And so 1 Corinthians 13 is smack dab in the middle of two chapters talking about the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in the church context. It's actually talking about the body of Christ, loving the body of Christ. And I say that because it's easy to think, well, I am loving others. I'm love, I love that foreign people group. I love them. They're a million miles away. That's actually very easy to do. It's not hard to love someone far away because they don't bother you. <laughs> but those who you do life with, oh, now you're starting to rub some shoulders and it's like, okay, love is patient. That's right, I gotta be patient with this guy with his spouse, with his whatever, with his child. He will identify an exact room with an exact name. There might be names coming to you right now. Maybe I'll just give a pause. <laughs> just let those names pop up. He's ident he'll identify that room and he'll knock on that one. And he'll say, if you let me in, I'll show you exactly what you need to do. I'll lead you and I'll show you how to love others. Another room is called the language room. 
This is where he controls what comes out of our mouth and he transforms our speech. And he'll say, will you let me control what's in your heart so that I can, so you can speak kindly, so you can speak with grace? grace? And we might respond, well, Lord, you want to control everything in my heart and in my tongue every single day for the rest of my life. That's, that's expensive. That's costly, Lord. I didn't realize it was cost that much. I, I kind of just wanted, I just wanted to see miracles, Lord, if I'm being honest. I, spirit-filled life, that's what, I, maybe I'll go buy something else with that. Um, you know, maybe I'll go somewhere else. And again, the Lord will say, okay, he's not gonna force you. He won't force you. But when a man or a woman is full of the Holy Spirit, you will see it primarily in their speech. Primarily. So don't be fooled with all the other things that I'm talking about. The number one indicator of a man or woman full of the Holy Spirit is what comes out of their mouth. They speak kindly to their spouse. They speak gently with their kids. They're gracious. They're, they encourage rather than tear down. <clears throat> They're slow to speak rather than quick to have their opinions heard all the time. You know, if you're someone who has a habit maybe of dominating conversations all the time, I could almost guarantee you the Holy Spirit's been gently knocking. But you probably couldn't hear it because you're talking so much, talking so loud. But he's knocking and he's saying, I want you to be slow to speak and quick to listen. But for some of us, it's actually the exact opposite. It's, he's not, he's, he is banging. He's like, I need you to open your mouth. Like open up your mouth and speak. And this is what we saw in Acts chapter four. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and the next, next sentence, they began to speak the word of God with boldness. With boldness. And we all need boldness to speak what's right. Especially in this day and age. It doesn't take a genius to know that our world, our country is getting pretty weird pretty fast. Pretty fast. And we will need the power of the Holy Spirit to command our speech, to speak the truth. Truth is a commodity these days. How do you know a cup, if a cup of water is full? It's when it overflows. And the Bible, I mentioned this just a little bit last week, but the Bible teaches out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that's again why I mentioned, don't be fooled by all the other things you might see. What comes out of that person's mouth? That is the sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit. He transforms our speech. And I mentioned, I don't have time to dive in fully, but when there is, when there is an overflow going on in the heart after being filled with the Holy Spirit, stuff does come out of our mouth. And it could very well be the gift of tongues. It could very well be the gift of prophecy. My point is actually opening up and letting the Lord do whatever he wants. And not saying, I will allow this, or I will allow this, but I won't allow that. Because guess what? That's actually not an open heart. That's not an open door. An open door says, Lord, fill me up. And if I overflow with praise, I overflow with praise. We have to be open to that. Well, let's talk about another room, the labor room. The labor, not labor and delivery room. I realized talking to Jonathan this week, he's like, wait, which room? It's like, no, no, not that room. I mean, not that that would be bad, you know? We'd want the Lord and all that, but the labor room, when I say this, I mean how we serve others. He empowers us to serve others. This is that room. 
It, it is the question, we are co-laborers with Christ. That's where I get it from, okay? Co-laborers with Christ. First Corinthians 3, verse nine says that. But what, are, what, what labor are we willing to do for the Lord? Are we willing to serve him and his church in any capacity? Because he will knock again on this room and he'll say, will you let me lead you in serving others? And oftentimes, a response could be, well, Lord, I totally would, except that I'm not gifted enough for that. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like, I am gifted. I just don't have time. I don't have time. Everyone's busy, Lord. You know that. I don't have time. Or I don't have the talent or I don't have the, you fill in the blank. I, I'm too timid. I don't have the confidence, the courage to serve in the way you're speaking and leading. And again, the Lord says, okay. The room stays dark. But there are spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. But we have to be willing one, to ask for them, two, to receive them, and then three, to use them. There has to be, that door has to be open. Throughout history, if you study church history at all, or revival history, anything like that, where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is preached, the gifts of the Holy Spirit typically follow. And here's why. It's because that room opens up. And when that room opens up, people begin to ask. They say, okay, I didn't know that room was available. Uh, okay, Lord, maybe I do want prophecy. Maybe I do want the gift of healing. Maybe I do. Lord, would you, would you fill me with these things? And the Lord does that. He begins to pour out his gifts. And this was very much like my experience when I was first filled with the Holy Spirit. I had such a hunger and a desire to see the lost saved. I, and I mentioned this last week that I was just, that was the, the, the burden on my heart that I tried to relieve. And, you know, the evangelism room, sorry, had been lit in my heart and I sought God for the power to see people get saved, to see the sick healed, to see people delivered. And, you know, I began to do this. Um, I was a junior in college, so juniors. Nope, okay, no juniors in the room. That's all right. <laughs> but again, I began to ask him. I just, I had been filled and I was like, okay, this room's open. Lord, I'm willing and I'm hungry and I wanna see you move in power. So would you move in power through me? And I would go to the streets or I'd go to campus and I would begin to pray for people. And I would see absolutely nothing happen. I mean, nothing. I would, well, okay. I actually wouldn't know because if I'm being honest, I was too afraid to ask. So I'd pray for someone, I'd run away. Like, you got a headache? Okay, I'm praying you get healed. Okay, bye. I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask. <laughs> I was too scared. But, um, but that was my initial experience. And, and, but I realized there was a genuine hunger for, to see this because I wouldn't stop. I would go and I, I didn't, it wasn't like, oh, I failed, so I'm done. It was like, okay, that didn't work. I'll just try this guy, maybe. No, that guy, let's try this guy. And, and I would just go for it. And gradually, I began to see some fruit. And it's, it's very subjective. And I was being honest about that. I was like, okay, your, your back feels a little better? Maybe, I don't know. Praise God, let's, let's take that as a win. But I, do, I remember when I saw my first, maybe undeniable miracle, I was in Atlanta and I was working uh, as an engineer for an internship, and I had a lot of time. And so I, I had come up with this, uh, it was 2011, I had come up with a rhythm of just how to spend my free time in the, in the afternoons. And so every other day, I would just go downtown Atlanta and just share the gospel and pray for people. And I would pack sandwiches in my bag to give them out and water bottles and whatever. And I was just like, I, I got time, might as well. But in the off days, I would just relax and I would either go for a run or watch a movie or just, just chill, eat some popcorn. And I remember I was on a run, so not one of my go out and share the gospel days. 
And I was just on a run enjoying the weather, enjoying the run, and I turn this corner and I see a guy sitting at a bus stop. And I see his right leg was incredibly bruised, massive bruise. And I thought to myself, well, I had this thought, I wonder if I should pray for him. And then I quickly answered that thought, no, I shouldn't, because it's a bruise, it's a bruise. I mean, it's gonna heal on its own, it's not a big deal. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna be that weird guy. And immediately I felt the Lord say, hey, I want you to go pray for him. And so I relented and I went over there. I was like, okay, hey, buddy. Um, you know, did the whole, like, you know, we made small talk and I introduced myself and I got to share a little of my story and just, hey, you know, I love Jesus, here's the gospel. And he had kind of heard, he had heard it and was uh, maybe nominal Christian at the time. And, and, and I was like, hey, so your leg looks pretty bruised. Do you, does it hurt? Do you need, do you need prayer? And he was like, no, it's, it's fine. It's not, it didn't really bother me. And I was like, I told you, God, I told you. It's just a bruise. It's fine. It's going to get better. But then he goes, it's actually my other leg that's giving me all the pain. And I was like, oh, okay. And, <laughs> and so he begins to just explain that for his entire life, his hip has been off, his, which has caused his, just his, his entire left leg has always been a pain, walking with a big limp. And he showed me, he got up, he was walking. I was like, okay. Uh, I, didn't even, I didn't even understand everything that was wrong. He was just like, it's just wrong. And I was like, okay. Well, I love Jesus and I'd love to just pray for you. And I believe he can heal you. And so I laid hands on his leg and I just had a simple prayer. And more, more of the nothing happened. <laughs> nothing happened. He was like, okay. And he wasn't expecting it. And I, I was hoping. Uh, so he wasn't, but he was like, okay, great. We, we tried. It was no, no big deal. And so we got up to go to the bus. And again, I felt in my spirit, I need to pray for this guy one more time. And I couldn't let go of it. And I was like, I'm in Atlanta. I'm not coming back here. He's not gonna see me again. I just, I'm already that weird guy. Might as well go all the way, you know? And so I was like, hey, let's do it again. <laughs> and so he's like, fine. <laughs> the bus is coming. And I was like, I got a minute. And so he sits down and I just say, Lord, would, would you just heal? I don't remember the words I prayed. That wasn't the important part. But I just laid hands on and just gently touched his leg and said, Lord, would you heal him? <laughs> and immediately this time, I feel movement, I hear pops, he, he hears pops, he feels movement, and his eyes get wide, and he starts to gasp, and he goes, oh, you know? And I was actually like that too, I was like, oh! <laughs> it worked! <laughs> but he gets healed, uh, completely healed in that moment. And he gets up, and he's walking around, and yeah, it was amazing. There's no limp, there, he's like, what do I, do? he literally asked me, what do I do? And I told him, go, go, to your, go to a church, go to church and tell somebody, and Go to church, yeah. <laughs> and, but the point is this. God didn't force a gift on me. I just opened that room and I said, Lord, if, you're, if, if that room's open and I'm, I'm here. If no one else is, at least I'm here and I want, I want to move, I want, I want you to move in power in my community. And he tells you to do things you can't do. And from that place, you're left to seek God for the power. You're left with all I can do is ask God. So here I am in prayer. God, fill me up. Pour out your spirit. Move in power. There's nothing else I can do. I don't have the power to heal anyone. I don't have the power for fill in the blank. But when you ask God, that's, it looks different. <clears throat> so maybe, you know, maybe it isn't supernatural in that way. But maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it is. And it, you know, what the, the important part is simply opening that door. And it may be that you begin to serve others in your workplace, and it's maybe as simple as like picking up trash. Sorry, I gotta get better at using this thing. Maybe it's simply as picking up trash after others. You're serving others. Maybe it's serving others 
on the streets, just sharing the gospel or serving others here in the church, just going for it and asking for a, a word of encouragement for somebody, a word of wisdom for somebody. He empowers us to serve others. It's a big part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I wanna mention this before I move on. How, if you are asking, if you've come to this place where you're like, that labor room is open and Lord, I want you to move. I do, I want you to move in power. And I'm asking you for maybe this gift or that gift or whatever. Which by the way, gifts, the gifts of the Spirit are the one thing that we're allowed to covet in the Bible. We're actually allowed to covet the gifts of the Spirit because it's not for our good, it's for the good of the people. It's for the good of the body of Christ. And so if we're asking, the question that comes up the most is, how do I know if I've got it? It's very similar to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How do you know if you've got it? How do you know if you've got a certain gift? And the answer is very simple and it's one word, try. And I wanna, I wanna explain this because sometimes we think something automatic should be happening and it doesn't work that way. So use this example. If 1 Corinthians 12 said this, and it starts to lift, listing out the gifts of the Spirit, and if one of them said playing the piano was a supernatural gift of the Spirit, you, you know, there's, there's healings, there's miracles, there's prophetly wisdom, playing the piano, and, it, and the list continues. Okay, let's pretend that's, in, that's not there, but let's pretend. And let's say you ask for that gift. Lord, I want the gift of playing the piano. How do you know if you've got it? You go sit down on a piano and you start to play. That's how you discover. And sooner or later, you'll find out, oh yeah, yeah, it's there. Or like, oh, <laughs> it's not there. <clears throat> it is simple. It, you know, I, th- I think of Peter. When, he, when Jesus was walking on the water, Peter says, if that's you, then I wanna do the supernatural as well. Call me out there. Jesus didn't say, okay, well, open up your Bible, study, read, pray, declare, proclaim, pray, pray, pray. He said, come. He said, come. He said, all right, come on. When he healed a, a, a cripple on, on a stretcher, how do, you know, how do you know if that guy's healed? What do he say? Get up. Be healed, okay? Now what? Get up. Get up. Try. That's how you discover the gifts of the Spirit in your life. And that's what I did. I tried and failed many times, but I kept going for it. So, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap, up, wrap up here with the last room. The last room, the last mark of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that he creates our desires, and it's called the longing room. He creates and puts a longing in our hearts, specifically the greatest longing for the return of Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit's desire to have Christ reign on this earth. The Holy Spirit's a person, he has desires. His number one desire is for Christ to reign on this earth. In the meantime, it's such a desire of his, it's such a strong longing of his that while we wait, he's doing everything he possibly can to get a hold of every human being and transform them into the image of Christ. His, his primary goal right now is to reveal Christ in you to the world because he wants more people made in the image of Christ. That is his longing. And it is the spirit and the bride that say, come Lord Jesus. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we discover there's a new longing in our hearts that surpasses every other longing, every other long-term goal you may have. Whether, you know, if you're thinking, I got 70 more years to live, well, I wanna, I wanna see this done, I want this type of investment, I want my kids like this, that. All of these desires that are good and right but when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and that room is unlocked for him, all of those really good things 
become so, so small compared to the longing that he might come back again. It is the thing that carries the day every day. The spirit and the bride say, come, come Lord Jesus. That is it. That is, that is the, the day we look forward to. This is why we preach on Sundays. This is why we gather. I mentioned our vision statement. To present to Christ a radiant church ready for his return. We wanna be ready for that. Romans 8, 22 says this to 23. For we know that up to the present time, all of creation groans with pain, like the pain of childbirth. But it is not just creation alone which groans. We who have the spirit as the first of God's gifts also groan within ourselves as we wait for God to make us his children and set our whole being free. That is when he comes again. We who have the spirit are groaning. We're longing for that day. That is the transformation of our desires. Where all these other desires are great, but in the end, if doesn't matter. Come, Lord Jesus. Because when he comes, we know he will make all things new. He creates our desires. The spirit and the bride say come. Let me get the band to come on up as we wrap it up. <clears throat> so spirit-filled life. You know, I, I picked five rooms. There's plenty of rooms. There's, there's rooms that the Lord is speaking to you right now that I did not talk about. But a spirit-filled life is very, it's simply saying, Spirit of God, you have access to every room. I want light in this room. I want light in this room to where someone could look at that house and say, that house is full of light. Not that it has a couple lights on, but it's full of light and it can provide light to the rest of the world. And we re, when we realize that our bodies are the home of the Holy Spirit, we don't have a right over it anymore. We're tenants. It belongs to him. And the product of all of this, the product of surrendering and opening up every door and every room is that we begin to look like Jesus. That's why I said in the very beginning, the Spirit-filled church looks just like Jesus. That is the product that the Spirit is producing. He's producing those who look like Christ. And we're in this in-between place where we're longing for the return of Jesus we're being transformed into his image. And I just wanna emphasize this as we wrap up, just the, the long-term vision of what it means to really desire the, the second coming of Christ. Because if we can really wrap our minds around that and if we really have our desires transformed, every other desire, and you'll begin to understand this as you think about it, but it is everything you want, everything you've ever desired and every injustice you've seen that you've wanted to make right, it all becomes right. It all wraps up and is completed in perfection when that sky splits and that final trumpet sounds. It, I mean, it's hard to figure out a longing worth comparing. It's like there's nothing that compares to Christ coming back, if you believe it. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so we can look like Jesus who radiates the glory of God. That's how we become a radiant church. Let's go ahead and stand as we wrap up.
wanna invite our life group leaders up to the front, just to the left and right in this moment. And the reason we do this is we just wanna provide a space for someone to come up. If, if you're wanting prayer, if you're feeling like, I, I wanna respond, but maybe don't know how, or maybe I do know how, I just, I just need a brother or sister in Christ to like encourage me in this response. You know, if you look about, if you're thinking about those rooms and you're like, that, that one was highlighted, that holiness part. And I need to come up and I need to ask someone to pray for me and, and get that one open. Then we have people to the left and right of me who, who would love to pray for you. But maybe it is, maybe it is that asking for that labor room to open up. Maybe it's, okay, I've been resisting or I've been, I don't know, just not interested. And now I'm like stirred. And I'm like, Lord, I want, I want that open in my life. Or maybe you just need the gifts in operation. Maybe you're sick. Maybe there's something in your body you, you need healing. And if that's you, I also encourage you, come on up here. These folks will pray for you. And we believe God is, he's, he can do anything. He can do absolutely anything. If we open up for him to do that, hey, he can have his way. We don't wanna just say that. We wanna be about that. Lord, have your way? Okay, have your way. Move in power. Heal sick bodies, deliver people, set people free. Transform our lives, transform our hearts. So a minute, I'm just gonna pray. And as I do, if that's you, if you just need some prayer, if you need healing in your body, if you, need, uh, if you want to just receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit, come on up to the front. We'll pray for you. Father, we love you. We are thankful for your word. We're thankful for your spirit. Would you fill us up? We desire you. We long for you. It's you and you alone, Lord. We need you, God. We just, we can do nothing without you, God. And I ask right now that everyone listening, that just, if you are speaking to their hearts, God, that they would be willing to respond. Whatever that response is, big or little, that's not the point. The point is, Lord, you're speaking. And I ask that your voice would be heard, that we would be a church that hears your voice. We wanna hear your voice as you lead us. You're the head of this church, Jesus. We're your body. So come and move. We honor you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.